Welcome to the Millionaire Cookbook. I'm your host, Mohammed Sabri, and I'm looking to provide you with a million dollars worth of value in a single podcast. All right, everybody. So welcome back for another episode. This is episode three of the Millionaire Cookbook. And today we have a very special guest. We have Finn Barnes from Trading Ring. And Trading Ring is an online trading community and education group. And he is the one that actually got me started in trading. And that is why I'm saying that he's a very special guest. <laughs> um, I was just scrolling through Instagram. I found his page. I gave him a follow, joined his group. And I guess you can say the rest is history from there. Obviously, you know, I've nitpicked out a lot of resources in my trading journey, but the whole foundation, it definitely stems from his group. I would not be the trader I am today if I never found his group. So yeah, today we talk about swing trading, which is just holding trades over a longer period of time because that is his style. That's his go-to. We also talk about, you know, the basics of choosing different styles, uh, choosing your watch list. We also talk about other subcategories in, in his personal life as well. And Overall, it was just a really good conversation. Me and Finn have been friends since late 2018. This isn't the first time we've spoken. So you can pretty much tell the conversation and the dynamic of it is just, it's smooth, it's really flowing. And, you know, I had a lot of fun recording it. I'm sure he had a lot of fun featuring on as well. And I actually forgot to ask him where you guys can reach him if you're interested in learning more about Trading Ring or just Finn in general. So his Instagram is at Finn underscore fx and his youtube is just trading ring i'm gonna have both of them in the description of the podcast so you guys can check it out so yeah with all that being said hopefully you guys enjoy the episode and i hope you get a lot of value out of it all right hello everybody welcome to another episode of the millionaire cookbook this is episode three and we are joined here today by finn barnes finn how are you doing today I'm good, thanks. Thank you for having me, Mo. Um, pleasure to be here. So, so what, do you want a bit of background information on, on me and uh, my company and that? Yeah, yeah. So, just start giving, by giving a quick introduction, I'll start asking you some more okay. specific so questions. I, okay, perfect. So, I'm 19. I started trading when I was about 15 slash 16, around that sort of time. I think it was around March 2017. Um so it was obviously it took me a while to get into my profitability, but we're there now. Um, October 2018, I began a company called Trading Ring, which I believe Mo's going to go over with at the end. We're probably going to look over that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much pretty much everything there is to me. I offer signals, courses, mainly, mainly focus on the education. I'd rather everyone learn themselves because, you know, God forbid anything happens to me, you'd be a bit stuffed, but... <laughs> yeah so that's, that's pretty much pretty much everything that pretty much everything's due to me um yeah awesome so you've been trading for about three years now yeah okay. just over cool cool and as far as your style of trading you're mainly a swing trader right yeah 100 percent. awesome so you want to just go over what that is and um you know why you do it specifically okay sure thing so for anyone that's unaware, you have four types of trading, basically, it's just like time frames of trading. You have scalp trading, which is very um, in and out within probably about half an hour, say. Um, day trading, where you open a trade and close it within the same day, closing the name. Swing trading, where trade will run maybe three to eight days, I'd say. 
Um, and then finally, you have position trading where it can run for weeks or months, etc. I chose to swing trade just because it's more of a relaxed approach to it and it, it just suits my personality a lot more in my lifestyle. So with my trades, I can do my analysis on Sundays, for example, and then walk away. I can set alerts on TradingView, which is the website that has all the charts on it for anyone that doesn't know. Um, I can set my alerts. Then I can just monitor sort of price action as and when it hits them alerts entering and exiting trades as and when it hits set sort of levels um other than that i mean it's just it's just a lot more relaxed for me it's just a lot more laid back style trading opens up my days a lot more i only have to really be working sort of around when price hits my alerts basically so it could be say 10 p.m could be say 10 a.m and i'd only be there for five ten minutes sort of deciding at a candle closure whether or not i want to get into the trade or not all right, fair enough. And have you been swing trading since basically day one of you getting into trading or have you tried dabbling into the other styles that you just mentioned? So I, I do occasionally day trade and at the moment we've been in quarantine and lockdown. I've been day trading a lot more personally. Um, but ever, ever since I started, I've learned swing trading just because, like I said, it just suits my personality a lot more. There was a time when I thought, oh, I'll get into scalping, but it's, it's not me. I don't like that sort of aggression that you have to have with scalping. Yeah, especially because I feel like once you really go into those lower time frames, you know, the 15 minute, five minute, even one minute, if that's what you're into, it just gets, it's a lot of noise, I feel like. It, just, with, it throws you about all over the place. Exactly. And, you know, I don't want to get into trading ring too much at this point of the podcast, but, you know, especially if you're giving out signals, yeah. you want to give a signal out where people have enough time to, you know, actually get the notification, read it. A hundred percent. That's something that people sort of overlook a lot with, signal companies when they're saying oh five plus trades a day people are like oh money 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 no realistically one if they're doing sort of five plus trades a day they're going to be scalp trades price action is going to move a lot sort of quicker within that sort of basis because you're going to be going for them smaller take profits but mm -hmm. it's, it's just one of them things it's a lot it's a lot better for everyone in my opinion to be days slash swing trading for signals yeah, especially because, like, for example, if someone is trying to scalp the London session or, like, the overlap between New York and London, we yeah. all know, like, that's a lot of volatility, a lot of volume in the market. And if you trade, like, let's say the London Open, you enter a trade, let's say you have, like, a 15, 20 pip take profit. Yeah. As, if someone sees the signal and they get in and they're, like, 5, 10 pips in profit already, it's like, you know, what's the point of taking it? It's like, yeah, they might have seen it relatively early in, like, a few minutes, but... You know, just the fact that scalping is just so much price action. And like you said, exactly. it's, it's not as relaxed. So you, yeah, and it was like, if you're looking into signals, for example, and there is other people following them and you're getting in at a later price, you're also drastically changing your sort of risk to reward ratio that's been planned out by the signal provider. But um, something which you'll find a lot of, a lot of the genuine signal providers, like the ones that actually do trade and don't just make money from CPA, they won't really provide you scalp trades just because it's just not plausible in the long term with uh with sort of providing signals to a service especially for example clients like yourself when you started with us it's a five hour time gap between us you might be asleep when i send the trade yeah so do you know what i mean what's going to happen there yeah especially like you know you'll send out our trade on the london session you know chances yeah. are you know on my end it's what like it's 3 a.m 4 a.m Exactly. You know, this was back when my sleeping schedule was normal. So, <laughs> you know, I'd be asleep, obviously. So, yeah. I'm, yeah, like, I literally remember, like, I would wake up 
just so early to catch these signals and to catch these trades. I'd be up at like four or five, six a.m., completely sleep deprived, just to make sure I don't miss these moves. But yeah, it's so yeah, go on. no, no, go ahead. No, I mean I was just gonna go off on a tangent, but it's fine. It's just gonna be a completely irrelevant point. <laughs> I mean, we have all the time in the world, so go ahead. <laughs> uh, don't tell me that. I'll waffle on for hours. You, you think you're bad? At, you think you were bad when you came on my podcast for talking for ages? I would go on for hours. Like, I don't know. <laughs> It'd be bad. No, I mean, I don't really have a time limit on these. So, yeah. well, I mean, I was just, I was just literally just gonna say a point of the position you were in back then. I get clients that will literally, for example, I'll be sat there. I'll send a trade out at 10 a.m. my time, and then I'll it will. Pretty like I remember, what was it a couple of weeks ago? I had a GBP, GBP Canadian dollar trade, which I sent out at 10 a.m. and it hit take profit by, I think it's about quarter to 11. Mm-hmm. And then I had clients suddenly messaging me going, "Oh, I was asleep at the time and all stuff like that." It's just that's what I mean. But it happens. But yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and so um, you know, with swing trading, how often do you find yourself kind of monitoring the trade, managing the trade, and as well just spending you know time on the screen? Because I feel like with the style of trading, it would suit people with full-time jobs or that are in school or just have other life obligations and just can't, you know, sit in front of a screen for like three hours at a time, like scalping yeah, a session, sure. for instance. So I have two theories on that. So with people working jobs, there's a sort of argument for both sides of it because depending what time you finish your job, obviously there's going to be a session probably opening at that point at which point you might think oh okay i have a job i can't be watching my trade through the day so i pretty much just want to be in and out therefore scalping so you might think okay say i get off at five from 6 p.m to 8 p.m i'm going to sit and i'm going to scalp the market um and then obviously you're in and you're out and you don't have to worry about it the next day whilst you're at work but myself personally i find myself just probably i was after i place the trade i'll probably watch it for a the next four hour or eight hour closures. So I'll check it. Obviously I'm not sat there for eight hours just watching that one trade, but like at the closure of the candle, I'll watch it. Um, and then after that, if it's running good, I'll just, I'll just let it run, man. Like I'll, maybe I'll check my method trader once or twice a day. And if I'm adding another trade, obviously I'll see it. But other than that, I don't really feel the need to, to keep checking. It. It's one of them things. If you're risking the right amount and you're not putting yourself out of your way, and risking money that you can't afford to lose, it's not going to stress you out that much. You don't really have to sit there and constantly be monitoring stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel as if people that are, you know, kind of going over the risk appetite, whatever that may be, it, it differs from person to person. Me personally, if you know, you're trying to compound an account, you know, obviously use risk manager and only risk a couple percent of your account. If you're account yeah. flipping, you know, different story, you know, I'm not going to talk about that too much today, but, 100%. but yeah, like if you're just, if you know what you're going to lose, if you know where your stop loss is, I just don't feel like there's a reason to, you know, constantly look at your trades. You know, I guess it's exciting to, you know, see what price is doing, but the point is you shouldn't be entering a position and literally sweating bullets after you, <laughs> after you enter it, because, you know, you should treat trading like a business. If you're running a business, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't risk 10% of it, 20% of it just to make like a quick return. You know, I'm pretty sure you're looking at longer term growth. So, that's the thing with this a lot of people will come into this and they won't they'll they'll be here thinking with the mindset of i'm going to be here for the long run but they don't come in with that longevity sort of action they'll come in and they'll think okay i'm going to put a thousand pounds in i want ten thousand in three months it's like look realistically unless you're getting either very lucky 
or you're very good at picking out your setups and you're risking a lot, it's not going to happen. If you're risking 2% two, 2 maximum per trade, which is what is suggested if you want to be here for the long run, um, I, like personally myself, I'm happy with a 15, 15 to 20% month. That is a fairly sort of average slash good month for me. Um, obviously, that's not going to flip a £1,000 account into ten grand in two or three months. That's something that people really need to work into their mindset when they're looking at this. And it's Instagram, personally. That's what I say has caused this with sort of people. It's seeing these CPA traders or even some of the real traders, but the real traders you will find, they don't sort of flex on people as much. Mm -hmm. But the CPA traders that are looking to attract people in, obviously money sells. So people are going to be out there showing all this Gucci, Louis Vuitton cars, watches, all of that to try and attract their clients, um, which is obviously going to make people think, okay, I'm going to come into this and I'm going to smash it in a couple of months. It's, it's just not realistic. You don't go to uni for a year and then suddenly walk into a courtroom and think you're a fully fledged lawyer, do you? It's, it's, just not, it's just not a realistic sort of expectation that people have surrounding this sort of topic of trading. Yeah, like that's the example I give people all the time. Like, you know, people will ask me, you know, how long will it take to be profitable? You know, how long have you been trading for? Like as well, people ask like, not ask, they'll, they'll literally come to me be like, yo, like, you know, my trade hit stop loss and they'll get like super upset over it. Yeah. I'll just tell them like, you know, you go through all these years of high school and then when you want to specialize, you'll go to university, college, whatever, for what, like between two and five years, trading yeah. should be treated the same. You know, if it was as easy as coming in putting in a deposit and then literally just printing money from day one. I'm pretty sure literally everybody would be a trader. Everyone would be remortgaging their houses, putting everything they have into it. It's just not that simple. And that's just what people really need to think. But it's, it's just one of them things, the way it gets advertised around. And yeah. sort of, like I said, the CPA deals, they're just like brokers offer a good amount of money to people that sign them up, mm -hmm. to that sign up clients. And it, it just attracts the wrong sort of people into the, into the, sort of uh, into the markets i guess yeah 100 percent. like you know these people they just sell a dream because i feel like if you if people that sell like you know the technical side of things like you know i just made this much profit or i just mm. caught this many pips to a complete beginner or someone who isn't you know into this stuff you know they don't know like what does it mean if you caught 50 pips or you exactly. know what does it mean if he just like has a one to five or scored you know they don't know that but if you get someone completely new and they see like a nice car or a Rolex or like a diamond chain, they'll be like, they'll be like okay, like maybe he's onto something now. You know yeah. what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. And obviously like there's nothing wrong with going on and trying like flipping a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, 10 K, whatever it may be. But people shouldn't try doing that from the get go. That's what I try to stress. You know, if you have experience in the market, if you know you're profitable, and you have a main account on the side that you're still growing, fine, yeah. go ahead, flip whatever you're willing to lose. Just don't, if you end up losing it, you exactly. should be fully okay with it. You know, you should be trying to flip. Exactly. That's, that's what people need to, you need to know what you're willing to lose. If you can't sort of get your head around what you're willing to lose before you've lost it, this is the thing that people focus on. They focus on the rewards so, so much that they forget about the risk at the bottom. Yeah, the risk might be minuscule compared to the reward, but the reward sorry um but the risk is still always there like no one can guarantee anything in these markets we don't control it there's traders out there with sort of say 10 million plus pound accounts they don't control a movement in the market movements are controlled by such sort of high 
sort of power, like banks and big companies, the, their accounts are so much more substantial that we can't guarantee you a certain trade. We can only take the high profitability, high probability setups that we've sort of learned over the years and come to use. We, we still can't guarantee anything. I could find my perfect setup with five or six, maybe even like seven confluences and it could still go wrong. It's just, it's just the way of the markets really. We don't control them. Yeah. Like I've never seen anybody win with a hundred percent win rate. Like unless they, unless they close a trade as soon as they hit profit, <laughs> which is literally like what half so, a pip or exactly. whatever. You it's like, see that slow rollover. And yeah. Then close. That's the only time you're going to get them with. This is another thing. When people ask, beginners will ask a question saying what's your uh, percentage your win percentage my win percentage could be 20 percent, but i could have one to ten reward ratio on each trade so at that point i'm still making like what double my losses um i, I don't have the masses right on now i'm too i'm not in the headspace to be doing that mass right now i've had a lot of time <laughs> away from school um but so yeah but it's one of them things you don't have to have this huge percentage thing. Like, so there could be traders out there that advertise say a 96% win rate, but they could win one pip per trade. But then that 4% that they're losing, they could be 10, 20, 30 pip stop losses, but technically they've still closed that trade in the green or the blue. So it's still a win. It's just one of them things. That's why I don't like it when people sort of, have that stigma around of oh what's your win percentage or how much money do you make and like stuff like that it's just it's just not a practical sort of way to gauge someone's success and success in the markets yeah well i feel like the whole win percentage thing it kind of just attracts a bunch of new people like i know when i started when i would see someone with like a 90 percent win rate or like a 95 percent win or 85 whatever maybe in like a super mm-hmm. high number you know that yeah. would like that would make me turn my head and like you know, I've, when I was very, very first starting, I have been in these rooms paid by the way, you know, yeah. you know, you pay every month. Yeah. I've been in them where like, yeah, they're not lying about their win rate. Like I would win like five trades in a row, six trades in a row, seven trades in a row, sometimes even eight. I'm like, yo, this is, this is legit. <laughs> you know, they weren't lying. But as soon as I lose that one trade, that's your whole, every, all of them trades you've won is gone. Exactly. I'm back to break even. So I'm like, all right, something is just not adding up. And then it's <laughs> funny because like, obviously I'm not going to mention anybody, you know, I'm not trying to yeah. get like this podcast removed or anything, but <laughs> you know, I've literally gone back as soon as I have more experience, you know, I'm just curious. I'm like, you know, how do these guys trade? I literally go back and see like what they're doing and their stop loss and their take, it just makes it's no sense. Like the risk reward is like, it just doesn't exist yeah you're risking a whole like one percent to make back what like 0.25 of a percent so you have to what win four trades in a row just to like be safe at that point if you lose and at at that point you're not really even safe you're just breaking even which literally it is safe but still it's like it's not profitable it's just all things that until you've actually got some experience within the market you you don't understand the negative sort of the negatives that are sort of tied to the positives that these people promote like for example someone if someone can show you a my book that you can look at and it's verified yeah they can still be manipulated to a degree but it's a lot more of sort of a trustworthy source to look at opposed to someone going oh i've got 90 percent win rate come join my team and find out it's just it's 
it's just one of them things man and until there's sort of like a until the fca sort of really clamped down on these people to be honest that's the only sort of way that it's going to really change but i mean yeah until every regulation around the world just takes them over you know we have the fc in the uk in canada we have the iiroc in australia we have i I think it's like the asic or ac whatever i think they've got a couple in australia yeah yeah i know for regulations but it's just one of them things it's it's like the second one person gets taken out of like the second like one regulator comes in investigates one person another person pops up it's just, it's just you can't win with it yeah i mean i feel like you know there are some red flags to look over like i feel like number one if they're advertising joining their quote-unquote team or like, mm. joining their single service way more than showing their trades yeah, I feel like that's a red flag. Like it's okay to advertise, you know, if you're starting out or if you're running a promotion, whatever. But in the case for you, you provide more trades on your story, more trades on your Instagram posts rather than the actual signal See, service. The thing that's weird is so I I would happily sit and post analysis all day. It doesn't bother me. Like I'll post my charts all the time. Mm-hmm. But the charts do nowhere near as well in terms of engagement as say if I post one of the cars or a watch <laughs> or something. Like the engagement just it goes completely out of the window. But it's it's mental. Like you can pretty much give people free money and they'd still rather just look at a picture of a car. Yeah, just I, I feel like a lot of people they just use social media for wishful thinking literally it's one of them things people use it to sort of uh, fund their sort of dreams and brain but without actually taking action upon it yeah it's like you live through you're living your dream through someone else's uh, eyes basically is the way i sort of describe it yeah like no action taking they're not really having any realistic goals and i feel like you know Oh, it's gonna like really piss a lot of people off, but people just don't know when to quit. <laughs> like they'll they'll be going on for a long, long time. And don't get me wrong, you know, you should always strive to improve and don't give up. But I feel like after about six to twelve months, you'll know if something is you is for you or not. Like you can kind of look back and say, like, all right, what's progress made? I'm not saying that you should be quitting your job at that point and you know paying off your house and retiring your parents but just look back like the thing (laughs) the thing i'd say with that is like you could you could sit in in the markets and you could sit there for six to 12 months like you said and you could just be there's so many strategies in the markets you could just be using a completely wrong one for you if you Mm -hmm. then say that next six months changed it up used a different strategy and the one thing that is like i cannot stress enough is being strict with yourself like staying to, to like strict to your plan the second you start doing that you will see the huge 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 change that's the thing with a lot of people they will happily sit here for a, a year or two and just just bob along just trying the same thing over and over and over and over again like if it hasn't worked in the first three months look first of all journal everything you're doing mm-hmm. if you can then look over your journal and see what's working and what's not that will massively help you just eliminate what's not this is simple as just stop yourself like close your eyes just tunnel vision away from that aspect that is not working say you're using channels and then you're using support and resistance if you find support and resistance isn't working for you one you're probably just drawing it completely wrong yeah but two, <laughs> like just just focus on the channels for the time being like just focus on what works yeah like for me for example like 
stuff like trend lines. Like I know you trade them. I know people that trade them successfully. Like I'm not saying they don't work. They just never work for me. Like maybe I'm just not using the right confluence. Maybe I'm just drawing them on a too low of a time frame. I don't know. Yeah. But for me personally, they have never worked. But yeah. as soon as I started using Fibonacci market structure, you know, all, like very sensitive zones, yeah. that's when the game changed for me. You know that's what true. I mean? You know, but somebody else, if they're maybe, you know, they'll be using the Fibonacci tool wrong or, you know, maybe they'll be drawing their channel wrong. Like who knows? The point is, you know, I don't think you should copy a single trader. Like this is a lesson I actually learned recently. Like you shouldn't be trying to emulate a certain trader, like to the absolute T, but no. rather like, you know, take some inspiration off them. Take what, you know, try to Pick learn off them. Like, exactly. Like, exactly. Say you're taking a course and it covers everything technical, but say you find one of them things doesn't work, just eliminate it. You don't need to be using everything these people use. You can pick and choose the things that work for you from four different courses. Build your own plan. Like build your own strategy that works around it. You don't have to follow them like step for step. Like just like I know I keep saying it, but you build what works for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like even for me, like I've taken courses, I've been in groups and stuff. I, I won't take everything that they're doing i'll take like a couple confluences and hey if they work they work like at the moment i'm literally just trading like key zones and fibs like that's <laughs> that's literally it like obviously you know there's other confluences that i'm not gonna dive do too deep into but that's kind of what the what is based around but that's the thing you don't have to like a lot of people will just try and overcomplicate it from themselves they're adding 10 emas they have rfi indicators macd's and that. like for my example here is the person that i know that trades the simplest method is leo he will literally just draw a couple of zones and he'll have his big zone and then he'll have his little zone where he's looking to take an entry as simple as and it works for him um and for those who don't know leo is my business partner but um yeah, so it's, 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 you just don't overcomplicate things, man. Just again, I'm going to say it again, do what works for you. Yeah, like I understand that, you know, some people don't really find, you know, a chart with just like support resistance so flashy. Like they'd rather draw a million trend lines, have all these indicators, you know, look like they're doing some like complicated stuff when really it shouldn't be like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And another thing too, like for, you know, people that are tr trying to get into this or people that are just kind of in the thick of it, for me personally, I'm sure you've experienced this too. I'll be like profitable and consistent with like one thing, but I always feel like, you know, maybe I'm missing something or maybe I need to learn something else. I find that mm -hmm. as soon as I add something new or try to kind of like collide strategies, that's yeah. when I completely end up messing up. Yeah. Don't like my advice here is don't be greedy with it. Take, take your card. There's, uh, was it three three or five trillion i forget gets traded in the markets daily yeah three or five trillion dollars um there's enough there for you to take your cut without having to get greedy with that like what a thousand pounds a day there is barely a cut on the whole market there's not a huge you don't have to be always pushing for more if you find something that's working and you can stick to that you don't need to be out there adding more and more stuff to it like yeah you might be able to find something that will get you better entries but you don't need to find stuff that's going to get you more and more trades just sort of capitalize on them trades there learn how to scale in on your trades as well that's something that i'd really massively say mm -hmm. that people overlook so for example you might take a trade on the daily time frame and as you're going down you might look on the four hour 
and see another reason to get in on it at another point that's uh say whilst you're already in profit there might be another trade sort of lingering within that one pair but you're then going to shy out because you're already in profit it doesn't make any sense treat that as a separate trade mm-hmm. yeah 100 percent. yeah so i just want to circle back to the um you know the whole risk award versus win rate thing mm-hmm. because you know there's two types of routes people usually take they take you know they catch the one-to-ones the one-to-twos but their win rate is anywhere from like i'd say 70 to 85 percent you know it's it's pretty high it's well over half and then the other group they'll win somewhere between like 30 and 60 percent of the time but they'll catch Mm -hmm. like one to threes one to fives one to eights what would you lean towards or you know we'll already know what you do but what would you recommend? Like, how about you just weigh out the other two and I'll kind of like chip in as you so, go. In my, in my opinion here, most people will start off risking the one to twos, one to threes, for example. That's because to really get into them bigger risk to rewards, you're going to have to learn how to sort of perfect your entry and get them sniper entries. Like someone you should try and get on is Alex. He'll talk about this a lot more. <laughs> um, have his because name written he, down, so hopefully he yeah, comes on. <laughs> he does he does it a lot a lot better than I do. But he'll catch trades like one to fifty or something, but it's getting them entries. So when you're starting off, I'd say you're probably gonna find them one to twos, one to threes, where you're gonna have them larger stop losses because you're not so confident in yourself. You're not so confident in a reversal signal. Um you don't understand things like fake outs, etc., and stop loss hunts. Mm-hmm. So you're then going to be taking them trades where, yeah, you've still got your 200 pip take profit, but you've got a 75 pip stop loss. Um, I mean, myself, personally, I probably trade a one to four, one to five, just because I don't feel the need to sit there and perfect my entry to the point that Alex does. I understand why he does it completely. And if I, if I could, I would. But for me, I'm happy with the way I trade and it works perfectly for me. So I, like I said, I don't feel the need to change it. Um, but yeah, as you get more and more into it, you'll find yourself getting being able to get better risk to reward. Yeah, absolutely. On my end, I kind of went through both different ends of the spectrum. I'm talking like polar extreme ends. Like I've gone through strictly one to one, one to two max, and I've gone through you know I win less, but I <clears throat> my risk reward is like anywhere from one to three to like one to ten. You know what I yeah. mean? Like there have been days where catching a one to six is literally like standard and it wouldn't take profit. But what I find is like, well, considering, you know, factoring in losses, factoring in mistrades, factoring in uh, what, you know, the markets, whatever it may be, I find that the returns are kind of similar more or less, you know, some people are just better at one or the other, but I find like in the grand scheme of things, the return is more or less like the same, but I feel like, and this is something that I had to reassess for myself is, a lot of people, including me, if we lose like two, three, four trades in a row, even though our risk award is so high, even though we know that one win is going to like completely trump those losses, yeah. what those losses do for your confidence, especially if you do them like in it a row, yeah. exactly. Like, you know, I know that my risk award, even though it's really high, even though if I just get that one trade and everything will just be like, it's all good, you know, I'll be in profit again, not even break even, but I'll be in profit. Yeah. I'll be, because I lost like two, three in a row. I'll be looking at a trade. I'll be like, do I really want to enter this? Like, 
you know, do I want to have another? Like, do I want to add that potential to have another loss in a row? I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah my confidence will be just be shot. And then there's so many times where I'll be like, you know what? No, this is probably going to be like another loss. Like, I'll have all these negative, all this negative self talk. And then yeah. what do you know? I just hit like a one to eight, and I didn't even enter it. I'll be like, <laughs> man, are you serious? <laughs> and that makes you even more mad, doesn't it? Yeah. So I feel like you know, if you're that guy who's like completely emotionless, yeah. you don't you don't care about the money you're risking or like your account balance and you know, you're, you kind of like go into the markets with like a robot mentality yeah. definitely going with that, you know, <coughs> sacrifice that win rate for that higher risk reward because you're probably someone who can lose five in a row. But once you hit that one big trade, then you know, make all your losses. Recoup but, you completely. Yeah. yeah. But um, if you're someone, sorry, go ahead. I, uh, I can't lost my point, please carry on. <laughs> but I was going to say like, but if you're that someone who kind of just thrives off momentum, like me, yeah. maybe go for like, you know, lower targets, but win more often. So mm. yeah, I, yeah, I feel like that's good for a lot of beginners too, because a lot of beginners, they need to get used to winning and seeing blue on their MetaTrader 4 or whatever. Yeah, 100%. They're There's nothing better than seeing a blue screen. Yeah. So kind of circling back to the different styles of trading. So, you know, swing, day, scalp, position, yeah who would you say like swing trading is for quote unquote and who would you say like scalping and day trading is for and position trading is for like how would you like categorize them with like different personalities of people i guess you can say scalp trading um your parents didn't let you have sugar as a kid you got too hyper um, <laughs> day trading no nah, um scalp trading is more of just it's pretty much just for aggressive people if you're if you can sit there and you can just literally watch one or two candles just either hit your take profit or hit you out, simple as. And you're probably going to look more fundamentally as well because you're probably going to watch a lot more news because it adds volatility into the market. Mm-hmm. Um, day trading, also scalp trading, I'll say you've got more time on your hands because, like I said, you, you need to be sat at your screens. So um, day trading, I'd say it's someone who you like the idea of the quick profit and you like being in and out of the market. You don't, you don't want to be sleeping on your trades, but you don't want to be sat at your screens constantly throughout the day. Um, as a scalp trader, swing trades for people, it's just, you're relaxed. You want to just watch your trade and just put it on, let it go and not have to worry about it too, too much. Um, Position trading is just scalp trading on steroids, basically. You, you, yeah. just, you just put your trade on, leave it, walk away for a couple of months and come back from Dubai and then see if you're rich <laughs> or not. Yeah, all right, fair enough. Yeah, I feel like too, um, you know, there's this like whole idea around like you only have to choose one style, but I feel like no. getting familiar with all of them. I'm not saying yeah. engage in all of them, you know. I, no, but you, it doesn't hurt to know more. Like, you can, like, it's, it's like saying, oh, you should only speak one language. You know, it doesn't hurt you to learn other things. Just find what works for you. Like, say you could learn scalp trading and absolutely hate it, but you also know swing trading, but it's one of them tools you keep in your locker. You, you can use it if you need to. Yeah, and, like, obviously, you know, you have a plan written and you want to stick to that plan and, yeah. The, the type of trades you're taking kind of fall into that, but there's nothing wrong with yeah. knowing the other ones. Like for me, I know how to scalp properly. I know how to day trade properly, swing and position. For yeah. me, um, I lean towards like, you know, day trading, swing trading. And when I say swing, I mean like, you know, the shorter t- term swings that you hold from like yeah. Monday to Friday. Yeah. But 
I don't really like the idea of being in a trade for just like a few seconds. Is that kind of just like, like, yeah, I have the reflexes and attention for it, but I just can't be asked to be honest. <laughs> mm, and for like longer term swings that I'm holding like over a market close over the weekend or like a position trade where I'm holding for like weeks and months on end, I, I, I just can't do it. Like I need to see relative immediate feedback and yeah. I want to be in and out of trades relatively quickly. So, you know, those shorter term swings and day trades, especially those kind of um, suit my style yeah. the best, but also as well, it's kind of good to know all of them because the market conditions, they're always changing. There's, literally, I was about to say that the market climate, <laughs> it's good to be able to adapt to it. Yeah. Like there are going to be times where, you know, like I know like seasonal tendencies and people can talk like astrology or whatever it may be. <laughs> like there's going to be times in the market where, you know, catching those big, big moves are ideal, but there's going to yeah. be times in the market where, you know, if you look at the higher time frames, like the daily or the weekly, it's going to be like ranging. It's not really yeah. giving you like a trend. So maybe Pretty much right now, yeah. Like if you look at most major pairs, you know, Euro dollar cable, like all those pairs, you'll see like, it's been in a range since like March, you know, just literally up, mm. down, up, down at that it's point. There's so much uncertainty. It's exactly. Just... Like at that point, I would just hop in the lower time frames. you know, hourly, 30 minute, see what yeah. you can find there. Yeah. So uh, to add to that, basically at the moment, I, like I said, I normally swing trade, mm -hmm. but one with the added time that I've got on my hands at the moment and two with the market conditions, I'm, I'm not finding myself swing trading. I'm day trading. Um, and this week I've spent back testing and I'm pretty much just trying to stay as safe within the market as I can. So day trading, second I get to a decent point in profit, I'll just lock in say 10 or 15 pips and just let the trade run and it won't stress me out like it has been. But what I've found with these markets currently is you'll be flying correctly into your analysis, but then there could be like a minor support and it will just shoot you straight back up the other way. And then next thing you know, you've hit your stop loss and you're just like, oh, don't really know what's happened here. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's why I think it is always good for you just to be adaptive within the markets, to be able to adapt and change to the scenarios that are happening in the world as well. Um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I have to say for that point. Yeah, like, um, yeah, you pretty much... <laughs> you're spot on but so i guess it all comes down to like summary it just kind of depends on your patience level and just kind of how much time you have on your hands. yeah i mean you you know what's right for you deep deep down inside you know your sort of you you know your personality better than anyone else you know what sort of trading style will suit yourself yeah 100 percent. like even for me back when i used to work like day jobs like yeah, you know, I'd be working. I'm not able to, you know, scalp London or scalp New York if I'm working in the morning. But, yeah. you know, for me, because I do like that style of day trading and, you know, being in and out of the market, you know, I don't mind sitting for Asian session, for instance, you know, yeah. or like, let's say if I, if I'm closing that day, instead of coming in early, early in the morning, I'll just wake up mm -hmm. early, you know, day trade the New York session. I'll be in and out by like 2 PM. So, you know, the yeah. trader would have already collapsed by then. I would have gone to work. So, you know, it's kind of like what went back, um, like going back to what you said about, you know, there's kind of two sides to it. Like if you do have like a full-time job, yeah, you can swing, but nothing is stopping you from coming home and just day trading or scalping a certain session where you're not yeah. at work. So is it, again, with, on that point, I, I suppose it works around your family. If you're say 
our age and you're by yourself and you, you're not like you haven't got a family to look after yeah you can come back and just sit and scalp you don't need to worry about sorting kids out and whatever whatever mm-hmm. but if you have got them responsibilities when you come back and you could haven't got the time just to sit there and mess about with the charts again swing trading is just relax you don't have to be there all the time exactly it all depends on you know your own your situation, situation your personality everything exactly exactly all right so i know i kind of like touched up on this very brief I, I pretty much said you know all these styles they kind of in the long term at least they show like very similar returns but would you disagree on that would you say like you know swing trading returns more or less than different styles like what's your take on that? um it depends long it, run. Really, <laughs> it really does just depend like there's people out there that will scalp trade and they'll have a good risk to reward and therefore their trades will be equivalent to say one of my swing trades mm-hmm. um but it, it, it depends on your risk there's not really it, it's not really a set definition it could be the same one person can make a lot more one person can make a lot less depends on your tolerance to your risk okay yeah that makes sense and i feel like too um the returns it kind of like each style kind of depends on the time frame we're looking at so if you're looking at yearly returns I say it doesn't really matter what you go into. Like it's going to be around the same universally. But if you're looking at returns by the day or returns by the week, that's kind of when it differs. You know what I mean? Like swing trading, looking at it by day by day, it's kind of useless because you'll go days on end without taking a trade. Yeah, exactly. You want to look at it by the end of the month. But with day trading and scalping, you can afford to look at, all right, how did I do at the end of the week or how did I do this day? So, Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just thought about that. I'd bring that up because I'm sure you know there might be like one person wondering, and I have wondered yeah. this in the past. So, yeah, I'm sure I think everybody does. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, so just kind of moving on to the way you kind of choose your watch list because you know there are people who trade every single pair in yeah. every single market, so they'll trade <laughs> you know currencies and commodities and the S and P five hundred, and they'll trade oil. It's like <laughs> they're all over the place. And then there are other people like perfect example, Wix don't lie, Raja Banks, he'll only yeah. GJ like 98% of the time. He'll yeah, throw like a gold trade or GCAT trade, whatever it may be, but he'll yeah. stick to one pair. How do you do it? Because I see that, you know, you kind of go through a bunch of different pairs, but you kind of, yeah, I don't, I don't want to explain okay. it. You, you so, explain it. <laughs> You're the guest here. <laughs> so I have... Ooh, 27 major pair. I think it's 27. Someone's going to find one extra pair that I've missed out here. And then they're going <laughs> to have a go at me. But, so I'll pretty, I pretty much have all the major pairs in my watch list at the start of the week. Um, and that, actually, it's more than 27 because then I also have stuff like gold and oil. And I'll have indexes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't I rarely trade the indexes, but they're an added confluence to certain currency pairs. Mm-hmm. Um, but... So I'll have everything set out. I'll look at my news for the week. I'll see what's coming up, see if there's anything that I really want to avoid. And then I'll just sort of eliminate them pairs from the get-go. And then I'll work through on Saturday and Sunday, just a few hours. Saturday, I'll just do do less shift because it's sort of my my downtime. But on Sunday, I'll sort of sit down for a few hours. I'll go to each pair. I'll look on the daily first and run through each pair on the daily. If I don't see anything on the daily, um, well, if I see something on the daily and it's just sort of a major confluence or added to one of my lists, um, and then I'll run through the four-hour pairs on most things. 
and then basically just add them into a list and i usually end up with probably around four to four to ten pairs i'm looking at that week um i'll watch them monday and tuesday i rarely trade on mondays i'll probably if i'm going to trade on mondays it'll be after new york session more than likely mm-hmm. um so i'll watch them monday tuesday and then by wednesday if i haven't found anything that i've liked or a setup sort of just it just it's just gone away it's just not there anymore um i'll then remove them pairs and i'll reanalyze but if i've found trades before that time i'll probably just stick to them trades more often than not um because like i said i don't want to be pushing myself over and over trading etc um but yeah so that's pretty much how i do it. i just break down all the pairs into a small list and then sort of filter them down and down and down till i find my my favorite setups of the week yeah yeah that's fair like obviously it works for you like i've seen uh other people in the space that are credible do the same thing so mm. would you recommend you know for not even just people getting into it, but people in general do the same thing? Or would you recommend they kind of specialize in one, two, three pairs? Because um, like, there's obviously arguments on both sides. No, see, it's, it's, it's one of the things of arguments on both sides because each pair does sort of have its own sort of characteristics within it. And you do sort of need to pinpoint them characteristics and learn how they're going to work. Um, depending what sessions you're going to be trading as well, I'd say if you're trading mainly London stuff, and New York stuff, eliminate the exotic sort of Aussie dollar, New Zealand dollars, mm-hmm. um, just because you're, you're not going to be watching them when they're at the most sort of volatile. Um, don't trade gold to start with, just simple as, yeah, it looks attractive, but it, it will mess you up. <laughs> I had to learn um, that the hard way. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of them things. It's, it just moves so quickly. And stop. it's why I will rarely, rarely ever send a gold trade as well as a signal just because it's such a volatile pair, it can move a hundred pips in like in one candle easily. Mm-hmm. Um, one that's one hour candle. Um, but yeah, so I'd say when I started personally, I started with Euro US dollar, US dollar Japanese yen, and Aussie dollar US dollar. Just because Aussie dollar US dollar was like my test pair, just because it moved so slow for me during the day, it gave me plenty of time to monitor it and see what's happening with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Euro US dollar is just a stable pair um and us dollar yen again well us dollar yen is very sort of uh investor sort of driven but just because yen's seen as sort of a safe haven within the markets same with chef i don't really trade chef pairs that's another thing that i'll touch on as well mm-hmm. i just find they leave a lot of wicks so i just don't really like it 100 percent. it's just not for me it's just boring um and one candle can look massive and it'll be like 15 pips. And I'll just say, like, why am I even bothering this? <laughs> um, that's, that's pretty much, that's, that's pretty much what. So what would I recommend to new people? Um, start off with three pairs, expand to say five and just slowly over time, learn the characteristics of each pair. Cause like I said, they do in, in effect, they are all driven by banks, etc. but they do have their own characteristics within them. There are certain things that will drive a pair more than another. Mm-hmm. yeah that's fair like um i think they should definitely you know stick to just a few pairs because i feel like if you're just brand new and you're looking at a million different things yeah. you, you really don't know what's happening but if you're more experienced and you kind of know what the back of your head you know kind of like a second nature type of thing what every yeah. pair does you can kind of afford to go through a bunch like for yeah. me when i started becoming you know self-reliant and not relying on signals at all like i just i only started with euro dollar and us dollar to japanese yen those two pairs because you know those you know 
two of probably arguably the biggest major pairs. I know you mm. Euro dollar, like it's proven statistically that has like the most volume and it's like the most yeah. traded pair. It has the lowest spread. You know, everyone kind of knows it as that. And yeah. then dollar yen, it's kind of the same thing. But what I like about them is more often than not, especially on a shorter term, even a longer term scale, they're like almost inversely correlated. Mm. Like if you just hop yeah. on the chart, pull them out, it's like completely inverse. And what yeah. I like about it is um, you can use all of them in every major session. So like for Euro to US dollar, you can use that in London and New York. Mm. For dollar yen, you can use that in New York and Asian as well because it's a yen yeah. pair. So, you know, you can kind of go through all the sessions. But, you know, I just did that. Once I got more consistent, I started adding more pairs. It got to yeah. a point where I was trading like, I think, eight pairs. And I'm talking like, you know, day trades and shorter term swings. And don't, don't get me wrong, it worked. But I find that when I did that, there will be, I'll go through streaks where I'm so unlucky and I'll end up taking all the losing setups and I'll just yeah. miss all the win winners. Even though I had the yeah, setup drawn, I had the analysis, right? It just happens. So, you know, I'm at a point right now where I'm only trading three pairs, Euro dollar, uh, US dollar to Japanese yen. So, you know, I'm going back to yeah. my roots type of thing. Cause I'm just familiar <laughs> with them. And I added a GPP USD as well, because it just moves so well in London and New York. Yeah. And I, I know it used to move sessions on it exactly yeah like and i know i used to or the pound dollar used to move really well with a uh, euro dollar not too yeah. much anymore as it used to but nah, nah. Uh, you know i uh, kind of just treat every pair individually at this point it's just so good in london and so volatile so yeah and another thing as you start to sort of get more and more into it is i would say i do suggest looking at the indexes because they do give you sort of a clear picture of a certain currency's sort of strength or weakness um for example what I've found recently is the dollar index compared to Euro, US dollar, Euro has stayed fairly neutral. And you can see that the dollar index is literally doing the inverse of Euro, US dollar, like yeah. almost candle for candle. And it's, um, yeah, so it's just a very good add confidence to your trading. Yeah, it's good you brought that up. Like I had that in the back of my mind, but I almost forgot. Like I do have the dollar index on my watch list. And before I do literally anything, because all the pairs I'm trading are have the US dollar in them. That's the first thing we'll go to. So I'll see like, you know, is, is the dollar index neutral, bullish or bearish? And then once I get that kind of bias for the week, I'll yeah. go onto my three other pairs. I'm like, all right, does it line up more often than not? It will line up. So if I'm like bullish yeah. on the dollar index, the um, Euro dollar and pound dollar, they'll be, uh, they'll be bearish. And then, US dollars to Japanese and will kind of just follow suit wherever the dollar index is going because that's like the first like primary pair. Yeah. If, if they're not confluenced, I'll find like, all right, it, maybe there's something wrong with the market. I should probably stay away. Or maybe, you know, I just drew something wrong or I just missed yeah. something. I didn't look left enough. You know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's a big issue people have. They don't look left enough in their chart. They'll just look yeah. at like what the past day did or like what the last hour did. Like that shouldn't what you, that, that shouldn't yeah, be what you're doing. You, you might be. want to explain to uh, people what you mean by looking left because they, they might wonder what you're going on about it and just start looking to the side of the screen. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> yeah. So when I say look left, I mean zoom out like on your chart and kind of see past data because past data is always to the left and on the mm -hmm. right, you're going to have empty space. That's just future time. When you look yeah. at the left, that's like all the past data that's already happened. A lot of people, you know, they'll just, they won't look left 
enough, which basically means they won't zoom out enough. They're not looking in the past enough. So if you don't do that, you might've missed, you know, a key support resistance zone, a key reversal zone, or maybe, you know, you would, you might've drawn your fib at the wrong high or low. It kind of does the come down to that. And that's why I recommend doing analysis on, uh, your computer rather than your cell phone. Like, yeah, trading view is really good on your phone, but you know, that small screen that you just, you don't see too much without, you know, the candle being all blurry because the more you zoom out, yeah. obviously the more blurry they become. So <clears throat> yeah. So, all right, cool. Um, just kind of, um, that's basically like all the trading questions I have, you know, I'm kind of going into more like, you know, trading ring and just, uh, personal stuff. So I didn't have this listed down originally, but you know, you mentioned at the very start, you know, that you didn't really like go to school and stuff. You kind of dropped out. Do you want to like, I don't know how much you want to share about that, but uh, you know, just kind of shed some light on that because uh, me, me so, too, I'm a college dropout and we're like yeah. pretty much the same age. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I went to school for, so first of all, what for you, what's college? Like what's in between leaving school and going to university like for you because we have ours is called college slash sixth sixth form which is grade 12 to 13 if i'm right okay yeah so for us we have just high school which just caps at grade 12 okay college for us sorry go ahead no i was was just gonna carry on i was just gonna go on with my story but you you explain like how the system works because it could be easier for me to explain years and stuff yeah, so for in Canada, at least, I don't know how it is in the States, but in yeah. like other parts of the world, but in Canada, at least where I live and where most of my audience lives, <laughs> yeah, grade 12, that's where, um, that's where high school, that's like the last year of high school, that's your senior year. College, mm. that's more for like two-year programs, one-year yeah. programs. That's you know, literally how ours is, yeah. Yeah, and then university, we're talking like, you know, four-year programs, five years. Yeah. And then okay, more. so you're, you're pretty similar to us. <laughs> except our high school ends at year 11 or grade 11. Okay. So I went to school obviously until year 11, grade 11. You have to do that. I did my GCSE exams. Um, never really advised for any exams, uh, revised. Um, so, but I, I passed majority of stuff. I think I failed history <laughs> and I dropped product design. That was pretty much it. I, I'm pretty good at maths. Like just like just by itself naturally, I just am. Mm-hmm. Um, English, not so good. I just don't understand why I need to learn a language that I already speak, but (laughs) I I don't understand it. Like, why do I need to sit and read a poem? It just doesn't make any sense to me. I'm never going to use it. Um, And then I passed pretty much everything else. But then I went to college. So I went there for year 12 or grade 12, whatever you want to call it. I studied music tech, media, and I studied something else. I haven't got a clue what else I studied. But um, no, I enjoyed it. I'll, I'll still do music now. I still love music and music tech. Um, media, I, don't, I haven't followed anything to do with that. But then came sort of the end of the year. And like I said, I don't, I'm not really a test reviser kind of person. And school's just not for me. I got a bit bored. Yeah. Um, stopped really doing most of my work. Um, majority of my work was done for me by a teacher um they, they, pretty, they pretty much just come in and go listen do you want to pass this year and i'd be like um to be honest i'm not really that bothered um and then they'd just sit down with me and be like right let's just do this and then it end up being one of them things where they just end up doing most of the work um so that was pretty much all right for me but 
uh, I, I failed every single exam at the end of that year. Um, and then my college pretty much just went to me, listen, do you want to come back here next year? I said, no. They said, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to go to another college or do an apprenticeship? I just said no to both. They said, well, <laughs> I mean, you need to do something. I was just like, well, uh, uh, funny you should mention that and pretty much just sort of explain trading to them. And the one thing that always sort of resonates in my mind is my head of year just sitting there with me and just laughing with the um the person that sort of pretty much just handles everything outside of the school. Mm-hmm. Um and they were just going, Oh, he probably earns more than us. And I was just there, I was just out there laughing with them. But um yeah, so that's that's pretty much how that came about. I pretty much just stopped doing work and stopped going and then left. Um Fair yeah, enough. Not, not a great deal other other to that. I, was, I enjoyed it, but it just wasn't for me. Yeah. No, I fall in the same boat, but um did you kind of have a plan like while you were thinking of like dropping out or did you just kind of no like, not at all <laughs> wow so you just kind of like drop out and then i'll see where life takes me type of thing yeah, literally it was because there was a day when we got all our exam results and we just went in and it was if you didn't get certain exam results they basically which which turned out to be illegal they basically just said oh you're, you're not coming back next year and they said it to a lot a whole a whole lot of people got basically booted up but then um sort of a couple couple weeks into the next year they must have been called up on it for, you know, not actually being allowed to do it. And then they pretty much invited everyone back. But I just, I just said, I'm not coming back. Um, and left it at that. But it was literally just on the day. They, if you didn't get the results, they'd come over and they'd speak to you. would be like, so what's your next plan of action? And I really didn't have a clue in my head. I just went, I'm just, I'm just not doing this anymore and just left. So I'm guessing you just uh, gave trading a shot afterwards uh, literally every everything i had just went into it because i mean not really another option was there but in some terms i feel like that's sort of my saving grace because i feel like if i hadn't done that i'd be sat in uni right now uh well not right now because all the unis are closed but i'd just be <laughs> just pondering around just not really knowing what i'm doing with my life which is something i feel is what a lot of people go to uni for is just people that lack that direction in their life and don't really know what they want to do they just go there to sort of just have another few years of being able to make a decision, et cetera. But for me, it's just, I'd rather not spend 60 grand wondering what I'm going to do with my life. Yeah. Especially like, you know, if you go to a program that, you know, I don't want to offend people, but it's kind of useless. <laughs> like, you know, there's a lot of like programs that are just there just to get people in, you know, doesn't really... uh, yeah. I mean, I could sit here and, talk about how i think school's a load of shit all day. so am i am i allowed to swear on here yeah <laughs> it's happened yeah, before I mean, so it's fine <laughs> yeah but I, I could sit and talk about how school's a load of shit all, all day happily but um because the way i see it yeah if someone's teaching you a say an economics teacher is teaching you economics well if they were so good at their subject why are they just not out there doing it like i understand there's professors and stuff who have gone and done it and then they come back in later life to do it which is fair enough but when you have a teacher who's young and this is meant to be their field of expertise, why would you be sat there earning 30 grand a year teaching when you could be doing it? In, in my eyes, it just doesn't add up and it doesn't make sense. But yeah, yeah like so obviously, yeah, like obviously there's exceptions, but the one that makes me like, you know, shake my head the most is like you're into like college because it doesn't get offered the subject to university. You're in college for, entrepreneurship yeah i find that a very strange course you know yeah you're in college for entrepreneurship and your professor yeah. is someone with zero entrepreneurship experience but that, that's that's a course <laughs> it just makes no that. sense 
just that whole course just makes no sense to me. The whole idea of entrepreneurship is going out and doing something, not learning to go out and do something. I think with entrepreneurship, you're either going to do it or you're not. Like, yeah, business is fine. You can learn business because you can understand how taxes and all that work. I, honestly, I don't actually know what goes on in these courses, so I could just be sitting here talking a load of rubbish. But yeah, I know, like, um, financing and accounting is really useful. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a really good one. But uh, at the point where you do learning entrepreneurship, how do you learn something like entrepreneurship? I don't, I don't understand. It's one of the things in my eyes. You either have it or you don't. Yeah. Plus, like, what's an entrepreneurship degree? gonna do really <laughs> exactly I, you know, I, I just find school is a weird thing i could sit here and go on and on and on about it for hours but yeah maybe i'll have you on in a future episode when i decide <laughs> to talk about this solely but i don't want to have you on for three hours before i just lose people's attention <laughs> all right so yeah moving on just the last you know couple topics or a couple questions i should say so obviously you know you're a you're a big advocate of treating yourself just uh you know, buying stuff, withdrawing money, and then just spending it. There's, <laughs> there's two sides to the spectrum. There's people that are like, you know, once you withdraw, you know, treat yourself, reward yourself, and you know, live while you're young. And then there's the other side where like, you know, be frugal with your money, reinvest all you can. Obviously, you said on the spectrum, you know, anyone that goes on your Instagram page, you know, you have cars, you have jewelry, you have a bunch of designer shoes. <laughs> What's your kind of stance on that? Because I know I feel like people have a negative, like, like negative feelings towards both. They'll see like all the flashy stuff. They'll be like, you know, something's fishy. They're probably just selling a dream or, yeah. you know, or maybe they don't make money trading because, you know, if they didn't make money trading, they'll post more charts than they did uh, yeah. flashy things. And then you'll see on the other end, you know, people that are just reinvesting, kind of trying to increase their net worth to be like, oh, they're making money trading, but I don't see a cool car or I don't see a Rolex. Like, <laughs> what's your stance on that? So for me, obviously, there's a fine balance with it. I like to think that I've got a balance kind of down in terms of the Instagram where I post a fair amount of charts. More so on my story, I'll post more charts. But when it comes to actual post posts, it's one of them things that I said, like, like I said, right at the start the engagement on money like things of money like shoes and clothes and cars and watches and all that is just so much better than engagement of um me posting a chart of the dollar index because like, half the people that will see that on the discovery page they don't know what the dollar index is but they know what a, what a mercedes is do you know what i mean so yeah. um but in terms of people actually like i i don't see an issue with people spending money like it's one of them things i spend money because contrary to what a lot of people may believe like i didn't grow up with a lot um but it's one of them things i grew up not what's the saying there's a saying that i saw somewhere i grew up not with what i want but with what i don't want so for me mm, yeah with my sort of background i feel like it, it either goes two ways you either make money and then you find it very 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 hard to spend it or you make money and you think okay i'm gonna live the life that i wanted to live um obviously i'm on the latter side of that but even at that like i don't spend money to the point that i i'm overextending myself and i am struggling at that point mm -hmm. i'll spend what i know i can afford to spend like for example each year so it's my birthday the end of this month so in a couple like what two weeks I'll buy myself a watch at the end of this month, but that's just a thing that I've started doing where 
each birthday I'll buy myself a watch and a piece of jewelry. So for example, my tennis chains, I bought them this year because it was my birthday coming up, but they got shipped to me. So they came a bit earlier. Um, but it's, it's just one of them things like if, if you're making it and you're not enjoying it, what's the point in having it? Um, like, yeah, you could say, save it for your future, save it for your kids and all that. But I've got enough to the side that I can reinvest in myself. If trading ever does go wrong, I can still live off other investments that I've got for a, for a decent life, to be fair. Like I'd make over average wage just without having to do anything. But it, I don't know. It's just one of them things. Some people just won't like it. Some people will love to see it, but it's one of them things with social media. It's just such a weird place. You, It's just a group of people that just all come together and just, I don't know, it's just weird. Social media in itself is just weird. But like I said, some people don't feel the need to show stuff. Some people don't feel the need to buy stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's just life. People are different. Like, that's what people need to understand. People want to do different things in their life. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like, you know, people have different uh, appetites for spending but I guess like, you know, a good balance I would say is, um, you know, like, let's say like random example if someone has like a $50,000 trading account yeah. and they, and they bring in, let's say in your instance, 15 to 20% a month, no yeah. one's telling them they have to withdraw that profit every single month and they have to spend it every single month. A good exactly. balance is just like withdraw what you need. Like, let's say if you only need like a, like a thousand dollars or something to buy, like like a few pairs of shoes or like a phone or something withdraw that and then what you don't need just reinvest that to grow your capital and then earn more money off of that exactly what this is so again we're going to sort of a different subject in essence here but the compound interest thing so for me with my main account that i have at the moment it's growing because i I haven't got barely any expenses going out because i'm not paying for a lot of stuff because i'm just locked in my house but (laughs) usually like my account will struggle to compound just because I'm spending say majority of my profits, but it is slowly compounding builds up. But so what I've now done on the side is like, it's just one of the things you've got to find something else to do if you need, if you want to build that money up. So what I've done is I've opened up a mini sort of hedge fund for people that I know and I'm very close to, but at that point, they get to take 65% of profits and I take 35%. But the stipulation with it is the money they put in, they can't withdraw for 18 months. So therefore it's letting that compound and it's letting my money compound because in essence, their money is working for both them and me. Everybody's winning at the end of the day. So they're not going to complain because it's going to be a lot more interesting than what they'd get from a bank account. Um, and I it's, it's effectively letting money compound for me and I can still live off my main account without having to think about how I'm going to level it up the next level. Um, but yeah, that's, that's sort of how I, how I've sort of tackled that issue of spending and still growing. It's just finding extra ways to add to your income. Yeah, no, I really like that actually, because at that point you're seeing like your little hedge fund as a more of an investment to, yeah, you it's know, an investment in as well as them. Yeah. So therefore, everyone's best interest is in it to do well. Like, but it's not just, oh, they're giving me money. I'm still going to take a split either way. Yeah. Um, it's in my best interest for it to grow as well because I'll make more if it grows. Um, but it's just one of the things, just be inventive with what you're doing. Like, I don't genuinely need to sit here and do trading ring. 
but one i like helping people and two it adds an extra however much to my bank account each month it's just it's just extra money for doing very little extra work yeah it's nice because like you have on one end the investment part everyone wins in that point everyone's increasing their net worth and then on the other end it's like that, that's kind of your living you know withdrawing off of your accounts and trading yeah. and stuff so yeah like i guess it's a good thing once people have that experience and capital built up they can yeah. have like one main account you know not saying they should go out and start a hedge fund obviously that requires no obviously wait planning. Until you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, don't don't just go out over years experience and go oh do you know what everybody i know give me five grand and i'll see if i can make a return on it because you don't want to be losing your friends just for the sake of a bit of extra money but. yeah exactly like they should have like one big main account that they keep compounding every single year to increase yeah. their net worth and to kind of just retire a lot off of if they don't want to retire a lot off of uh, stocks and or like whatever it may be or dividends exactly and then have like another account where they actually live off of like i know people that have like one main account they don't touch it or they barely touch it and then one other account it's like you know a few grand or whatever it may be and they're just flipping it constantly yeah and consistently and that's kind of what they're living off of I mean, in, in essence, I, I, I follow a similar sort of strategy to what you've just said there. Like I will have accounts where I will just sit and flip them. And then, then, month, then months that I do do that, it will let my main account compound and go up more. But another thing people don't realize is obviously trading isn't my only income. I have investments and stuff. Therefore, like money, I have, I take out money from my trading account. So you might be sat there going, oh, his trading account's not compounding. He's clearly just spending too much. And it goes back to that whole spending thing. But no, so like at least half of that money that comes out of my trading account each month is going to be added to either a new business plan or it's going to go into stocks or other investments that I've got going on. Um, it's not just the sake of I'm taking out my money, not letting it build and being an idiot and spending it on cars and stuff. I'm just it's, it's like that's only part of this is another thing with social media. I'm only going to show the things that I want to show. I won't show the things that I don't want to show. I'm, I'm not going to sit there and show like a meeting at a stockbroker's where i'm buying some stocks into coca-cola or something it's just yeah, why, why would i show that do you know what i mean yeah. yeah all right cool yeah that makes sense and thank you for shedding some light on that right. so just to kind of close things off i want to talk about trading ring so your little uh like trading yeah. education company if you want to call it that so mm -hmm. just go over you know why you started it how you started it maybe you go over like how you met Leo, if you knew him before or whatever, and okay. what kind of goes on in Trading Ring. Okay, so Trading Ring began October 2018. October 2nd, I know the exact date. Um, nice. <laughs> <laughs> me, me and Leo met through, how do we, well, it's, it's a complicated story, but basically, so we both originally started, there's also sort of a third member of Trading Room, but he's, he's sort of silent. He just does sort of our app and stuff. He hasn't actually been too active recently. But I noticed. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's not a third guy. He doesn't talk. <laughs> oh, if you're thinking of who I'm thinking of, he, he, he's not, he, that's not the person anymore. Oh, he's, no, no. He, it's, he's, the, he's it's yeah, no, that guy, the other guy's long gone. I'm talking the guy yeah. that you added like some months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, so me, me and Leo met through being, being conned by one group and then because this is how i started my trading I, I, I was one of them people who got scammed like straight up i saw the flashy stuff i was like oh, screw it i'm just gonna go for it uh, um but anyway like, in a sense i'm kind of grateful for that because i lost a thousand pounds and i was determined to make that back um 
but so mainly I met through that group but then we also we met through one of the people who worked through that for that group he then started his own group but me leo and a couple of others who I've been close with over the years and sort of some of them I've fallen out of touch with, some of them I still talk to. But then, so we then came into this other person's group and we started sort of working for him and with him and he was sort of like teaching us and training us up and it turned out he was like a waffle as well. Um, so then we said, me like at that point, I'd been learning how to trade for a few months and I'd started learning my own stuff and I was starting to show signs of consistency. So then me, Leo, and a couple of others would be jumping on calls and which sort of be helping each other, et cetera, et cetera. And then eventually once we were showing consistency enough together and we just, we, like, it's just that whole thing. We've both been scammed. So at that point we were just like, how can we sort of give back? So from October the 2nd, when we began trading ring through until February, maybe it was February 2nd of 20, 2019. So only, only last year, we ran trading ring completely free just to sort of give back to people and we grew it to a decent number i think it's about i mean you were there initially weren't you in that sort of free era yeah like you started yeah. october 2nd you said it was yeah october, october 2nd 2018 yeah and then i i remember um, joining like i think i joined the end of that month or like very 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 you were there very very early yeah yeah um it just grew exponentially from there literally it, it kind of it took off from there like the, the free group i think we got to the best part of 1.5k by the time february rolled around um and then we decided that if we're going to keep doing this we want to be able to actually run systems and have some sort of stuff like behind us mm-hmm. so then we started charging i think it's about 20 pound a month i think was what we were charging um and then from there, a thing that you'll find anyone that does this, you'll find people very happy to have stuff for free. The second you talk about money with it, you could make them like we were making people thousands of pounds. Like we had people send us profit screens going, oh, thanks so much. And all that, all that, all that. The second yeah. we charge 20 pound a month. I think our group went from 1.5 thousand people to maybe about 90 people. Um, so that, that was a bit of a, I was sat there a bit like, oh, okay. Um, but like I said, for us to really push it to the next level, we had to begin charging. So just for us to be able to open up things, because as contrary to popular belief, you do have to pay for stuff like Teachable uh, or whatever, like different course sites and mm-hmm. channels and all, all that stuff. Um, so we, we started doing that, ran that through until around October or November of last year. And then November time, I sort of cancelled it because I had some sort of personal stuff going on. Some I just wasn't in the headspace to be doing it. And I didn't want to, like, like I said, I'm not here to make people lose money or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I cut it. I cut everyone's payments, all of that. And we just sort of ghosted it for a couple of months until sort of January, mid-January time. I sort of decided, right, okay, I'm in the, I've cleared my headspace. I've had two and a half months off. I'm ready to go again. Um, so then this February, we opened it back up probably wasn't the best timing considering March we got hit with coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, then we opened it back up, changed the whole payment system and sort of revamped everything. Um, and that's what brings us around to today. But do you want me to talk about the services that we offer in terms of that? Yeah. Cause I'm sure people are wondering if it's just signals yeah. or is it mentorship? Like what is it? No. Nah, so we offer signals, which is what a lot of the sort of cold traffic, so to say from, 
like trading pages will come in and they'll sort of initially start looking at that because obviously like, everyone's out here to make a quick buck so they come in and they look at the signals and they're like okay um let's get on with that so that sort of attracts in the cold traffic which in essence i don't like signals and the whole idea behind them but i do feel it's good in a way that we can bring in that cold traffic and stop them going away just because we offer courses it will it will bring in that cold traffic and it'll hopefully at that point we can direct them correctly into their sort of trading pathway um instead of them going to say one of the cpa people who's just going to scam them and then they just end up losing the ground and giving up on everything yeah. so in essence at that point signals are good but like i said i prefer to focus on the educational thing so for me i like courses and one-to-one lessons is something that i offer a one-to-one lessons I offer just pretty much to anyone. Well, they're pretty much they're pretty open. So if you want one-to-one lessons, I will arrange that. Um, and then I'll just slowly run over. Like I'll happily tailor them to each individual person. So for example, if you already have some knowledge of the markets, I'll just come in and work out what you need to know to sort of push you to that next level, and then we'll do that. But we also offer a, a basic sort of standard set course, which is just like the things that we use within the markets and breaking them down with videos and PowerPoints, et cetera. Um, other than, I mean, that's pretty much the services we offer. I give my market breakdown on Sundays, which I haven't done for the past two weeks because my microphone's been broken, but I've got a new one now. So this Sunday we're back. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty much all the services there offered. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Yeah. So that's uh that's basically trading ring for all the listeners. So um, just to wrap everything up, you know, I got this inspiration from you, actually. You know, you, you always ask people, like, what's the what's your, like, definition of success? <laughs> I thought it was coming. Yeah, I kind of got my own version of it. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not anything deep, but, you know, I guess just for people that are curious and, uh, you know, I guess people just want to hear what people are trying to be up to. So mm-hmm. I just want to ask, like, what are your goals for the future? And when I say future, I'm talking between one and ten years. So we're talking, like, long term between one and ten years um yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's quite a broader broad range you got there um yeah. i don't know man just it's, it's a tough one i like i when, when i put you on the spot with this you put me on the spot with it <laughs> um, what do i want to do in one to ten years just i don't actually know to be honest <laughs> like uh, obviously there's, there's things like monetary stuff but other than that just just keep building man just keep growing and growing like i think that's the key to to keeping your future bright is just keep your growth going um so just literally that's just pretty much it just keep keep building on everything that i've got going at the moment maybe open up a hedge fund in future to people sort of outside but there's obviously there's a lot more complications with that but it's just, uh, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. Just obviously standard things, help my family. Um, I mean, yeah. There's no right or wrong answer. It can be yeah. as simple or as complicated as you want. So, all right, we'll go with them three things. Help my family, open a hedge fund, and just keep growing. There you go. Yeah, just year after year, just to keep me more. And come to Canada. I'm coming to Canada at some point. Awesome. Yeah, we're definitely linking when you do that. <laughs> all right awesome man uh is there anything you want to say to just wrap it up or you know do you uh, think, think you just think covered everything yeah we've gone very in depth in this one um thanks for having me obviously uh i appreciate it 
Yeah, of course. No, this was a really fun conversation, especially because uh, I think we only sat down like once before and actually like spoke properly. So, you know, this is nice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, for all the listeners, thank you so much for listening. I hope hopefully you enjoyed this episode and hopefully you got some value out of this. Until next week. Take care. So I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. If you did, go ahead and subscribe on whatever platform you're using to listen. And I'll catch you guys next Monday.